Sir, I'm detecting a high level of sass. Hey, cat dog. What are you still doing today? <laughs> you pricks. <laughs> um, but if I'm doing demon voices, my, uh, I'll give you an example, okay? So, where do you want to go? Do you want to go there? Well, hey, friends. I'm so glad to see you back. Welcome to Who's the Ross, the podcast. I'm Aaron Ross, and what you just heard was Reno 911 star Carlos Alizraki and Mad TV's Deborah Wilson. Today, we're going to revisit a slew of interviews I've done with these comedy legends. And because they are prolific voiceover actors, there is going to be quite the cast of characters and impressions popping up throughout the show. Speaking of which, let's jump right into things as we go back to the fall of 2019 for a super cut of Carlos Alizraki doing 15 impressions in 60 seconds right here on Who's the Ross. What's the show? Who's the Ross? It's fantastic. Screw the fatheads. I want Who's the Ross. We're drunk, so you gotta take off, okay? Stupid weirdo. That is my voice shape. I've never seen nothing like that. Well, you got that. What are you doing, son? All right, okay. man. I'll take that mushroom soda. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. It's just ranch. I'm sorry about that, Harry. I was playing a game. I was very drunk at the time. You want some cocoa? You guys can have some cocoa. I can bring some cocoa. Tonight, I'm gonna enjoy a nice mustard soda. The dude abides. There you go. Jane, get me off this crazy ride. You're going to have to pay for that, Homer. That shit ain't free. I said, can I read like a vacuum manual in this voice? Um, You want to plug hose A into slot B. Make sure your unit is unplugged. Do you want to talk about the Olympian ideal? You know that other day, there, Aaron Ross <laughs> had 1.2 million viewers. Well, I was one of them, and I enjoyed your show. Oh, my good Lord. Oh, my God. Now, I've had the great fortune of interviewing Carlos 10 times over the past decade. So next up, I want to share a chat we did during the pandemic, early 2021, where I put my journalistic skills to the test, did my best metaphorical Nardwar impression, or as it would sound literally, you're Carlos Ellis Rocky. We're supposed to know. Thank you. And know this, Carlos has one of the most impressive careers Hollywood has ever seen. You don't believe me? Listen here. We'll prove it. You, sir, you, sir, I'm so thrilled you're here. But you and James Brown have what in common? Go. Well, we got the moves, and we got the ladies, <laughs> and we got the... Da, da, I look da, good. Da, da, well, I, I good. actually, when I get off, uh, finish a voiceover, my daughters are waiting there with a cape. That's what we have in common. <laughs> You are the hardest working man in showbiz, and I have the numbers to prove it, and I bet you okay. don't know this. I'm assuming you don't just troll your IMDb going, look nope. at how wonderful Carlos is. No. Nope. That's what I'm for. I'm, I'm here to troll your IMDb to let you know how wonderful you are, and I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. Do you know how many IMDb credits you have? Because, of course, the audience knows you from Reno 911, amazing okay. voiceover acting behind you, Rocco, and, 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 and you do so many voiceover roles. In fact, this year alone, in 2021, which is only five months uh, old, you have 10 credits this year already. Wow. You know, uh, that's- so how many do you think you have total? Somebody said 300. Okay, you're right in the ballpark. You want to come? Let, let's. I know you're not guessing 300. Let's get a let's get a official number. 
I'm going to go 375. Oh, that's so good. You're 13 off. That's really impressive. Nice. 362. Now, wow. I think that that sounds incredible. And every actor right now is just, they've all, they've all leapt out of their studio apartments. Yes. Uh, but, but, but I want to give perspective, may I? Yeah. I'd like you to guess along. Morgan Freeman has how many acting credits? Oh, my goodness. Acting. So we're talking film, voiceover. But, but film and voice, yeah. all of the, And that's where you obviously are the clutch well, cargo voice actor. But I'm going to say 100. Okay, that's a great guess. 133. So you're on the right track. You've got a yeah. sense for this thing. Michael, yeah. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Again, works sparingly. I'm going to say 97. Sir, he's, he is an actor who's worked uh, as one of the most of all time. Master Wayne, I've done 176 films. Wow. Films. Kind of Aaron Neville with my uh, crying Michael Caine. Sam Jackson. Now we know Sam Jackson works. Samuel Jackson, man. He is the hardest capitalist. What's in your wallet, Sam Jackson? Do the, <laughs> was it not Lots do the of right money? Because how many roles does he have? Was he a do the right? He was the drug dealer in another Spike Lee film. It oh, wasn't sure. Do the right. uh, Jungle Fever. Jungle Fever. Samuel Jackson, I'm going to say he picks his films pretty sparingly. He's done the superhero stuff. I'm going to go with 78. 78 films. 194. 194. But now we're getting into the most roles of all time, the most actor credits by like a movie star. Malcolm McDowell or Christopher Lee is what I'm looking at. Christopher Lee, yes. 325. uh, uh, Lord of the Rings and Star Wars, if you're, you know, a millennial. Otherwise, Wicker uh, Dracula. Right, the, you know, Mr. Isles Christopher Lee has 473. No, he does not have more than you. You have more than Christopher, Christopher Lee. Lee. 282. Now, now I've got two more for you. One is okay. Mark Hamill. I think to myself, okay, all, oh. all of the movie stars don't have as many credits as the very young and youthful Carlos Isles Rocky, who may one day be called like Mr. 1000. Hopefully. But Mark uh, Hamill, you know, his voiceover prowess is, is... That's what I'm saying. So I looked it up. Do you think he's bested you? Do you think he's close? Where do you think he ranks? Give me a number. Well, because he's been a part of... I want to say he's just under me. I want to say he's at 351. Holy shit, it's 351. <laughs> really? Yeah. Take that, Mark <laughs> Hamill. I'm your daddy. So you might be asking... Hey, Aaron, how is it that someone like Carlos has been a guest on your show 10 times? Well, it all started in 2012 at the world-famous Improv Comedy Club. Now, this was during my first stint living in L.A. And let me tell you, if you haven't been spit out by the city once or thrice, you haven't been doing it right. Carlos was a guest recommendation from the Improv's booker, a man I call the Wizard of Imagination, Jamie Flam. Jamie is an L.A. great, and he now runs Dynasty Typewriter, which was just voted L.A.'s number one comedy club. But over a decade ago, Jamie wasn't just kind enough to book a no-name like myself at the Improv. He, he booked me in character. Yeah, that's right, as my no-name character, Ed Foreman, the Edspirational Speaker. As if the title Edspirational Speaker didn't give you what you needed to know about this character, here's just a quick taste of Ed and his Edsolence. Hi, I'm Ed Foreman. Edspirational Speaker, author of the best-selling book, I'll Make You Better, because I'm better than you. Yes, this was a time of Borat, Colbert doing the Colbert Report in character, Jiminy Glick, 
So I was enamored by being a weirdo like Ed. I felt like it was actually a way that I had a voice and people would even want to sit down to do interviews with me. But as Ed, Jamie gave me a, and him uh, a great gift. He sent me over about a dozen names of celebrities, great actors and comedians. He said he thought might be a good fit on my show. Now imagine, okay, you're a no-name comedian from Portland, Oregon, in your late 20s, with a ragtag talk show, hosted by this whacked-out character, where usually your guests are like some equal nut job, or maybe an indie rock guest. And all of a sudden, the gates of Hollywood open, and inside those gates, Carlos Alizraki. He was the first name on that list that just jumped out at me. Because, of course, Reno 911, he played the misguided, mustachioed Southern Deputy Garcia. Now, over this past decade, getting to meet the man that played Garcia, find out all about his incredible background as a voiceover actor, uh, Carlos has become more than just a guest. He's become a, a friend. He's always been there for me and the show when I needed him. As a friend, we've caught LAFC football games together. As an advocate, he even wrote me a letter of recommendation when I was searching for an agent in LA. I mean, come on, what a mensch to do that. And then when live performances finally came back after the pandemic, there was no question who would be my first guest. In this next clip, which is October 2022, at the Alamo Cinema in downtown LA, we discuss his role as Rocco on Rocco's Modern Life, how he got that, winning the San Francisco comedy competition and meeting the late, great Robin Williams. You want to hear about the roots of someone that became the real deal? Well, here it is. I, I started with Rocco, as you mentioned, Rocco's right. Modern Life. But what was that? You had done a, you've regaled us with that, but I love when you tell the story. You had recorded it. Uh, like I, I didn't have a voiceover agent. I was a stand-up right. comedian. Like, 96 or something? Oh, uh, like no, no. This was 1990. I made a wow. push-play record thing. <laughs> like the old VHS push and play. I made some stupid thing about a kid getting sick in school. And it was like, oh, look at you. You've thrown up. Now you've ruined the school. <laughs> it wasn't my fault. I wouldn't get near that child. Hey, that's okay, boys. I got sawdust. I'm going to clean it up. Really lame. And uh, I don't yeah, thank you. And I just handed it in. My manager knew this project uh, was being done by a guy named Joe Murray. I went in. They said, you know, classic sitcom thing. We do not want Australian. We do not uh, cut to. Hello, I'm a wannabe. <laughs> you know, but they wanted Bruno Kirby. No Hablo English. The freshman kid. You don't know how big this is. Bachi the Pucci Bachi. The, the kiss of all kisses. They, they, they wanted Willie Alley. That, that, I'm a marsupial. I got a pouch. And that wasn't working out. And there was a vacuum manual. manual and I picked it up. When you're cleaning the unit, make sure that hose A is disconnected from slot A and the unit is unplugged. And they're like, that sign's kind of good. Let's just do that. And I'm like, okay. And uh, they, they liked it, sent it off to New York. We made a pilot and then just like, roller coaster, here we go. And off it went. So it was just a fate, fate helped me out. Come on. Yes. That's right. Before we get Matt Danner up here, let's let's mind the past real quick. You won the 1993 uh, San Francisco Comedy Competition. Yeah. This is a thing that many great comedians like Dana Carvey had won. Yeah. Uh, Ron Williams got second in. Yes. Which should have burned the competition down. I was a finalist in 2007. That's amazing. Dreams can come true. But it is a kiss of death because this guy, Lucas or whatever, is the guy that beat 
Robin Williams, right? And uh, many years ago, maybe 11 years ago, I did the Mark Maron's WTF podcast, and Mark was still pissed that I beat him in the competition. Him and Patton Oswald. Wow. And he's wow. like, Car- Carlos, man, come on. <laughs> do, do you really think that you should have won that? <laughs> and I said, Mark, it doesn't matter. No, you and Patton were better comedians than, than I was. I mean, in terms of loving to write, com- I was a really good performer and I outperformed you that night. So I'm not, if you want to say that you won, <laughs> you haven't, you just interviewed Obama. Yeah, I think you you're won, okay. Dude, you won. I think you're good. <laughs> I got lost in a Prius on my way here. You interviewed Obama. You're fine. Patton is doing Ratatouille. You guys are fine. <laughs> I thought that it was a story about you meeting Robin Williams, which I, I'm not sure was true. Did you meet I him? I did meet Robin Williams. Here's how I, I first, and we got to work on Happy Feet and, and all right, that kind of stuff. Right, you two Happy Feets. Yeah, two Happy Feets in, in Australia. And we were doing comedy every night. One night, and Robin's like, uh, hey, guys, do you mind if I go out with you? Hold on. Yes, come on. <laughs> um, but here's how I met him. I'm at Com's Comedy Club on North Point in San Francisco, the new Cops Comedy Club. And it's around 95, and I'm watching uh, Brian Regan or Dana Gould, maybe, on stage. And uh, up behind me, I hear, hey, man, you're the voice of Rocco. My daughter loves Rocco. I'm like, that's Robin. <laughs> Very sweet man. And just uh, one of the hardest days. When we talk about when celebrities die and things like that, that was because he was so nice to everybody and such so wonderful. It was a very hard time. But I, that's when I met him in San Francisco in 95. I think that's wonderful. And I told you this uh, three years ago when you were on the show and you've got the kinetic energy and the ability to flip from character to character. You have that spirit in you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, the spirit of Robin William lives in Carlos Alice oh, Rocky. Thank you, Indeed, the spirit of Robin Williams lives deep in Carlos Alazraki. And no better place was that on display. In an original game we created for him called New Cartoon Character Roulette. This is how the game works. Uh, I present the guests with a random animal, accent, or character. These are on like three by five cards. They just pull them up. And I want you to listen as Carlos pulls magic out of thin air. Next to another voiceover great, Moira Quirk, who you may recognize as Mo from Nickelodeon's Guts. That's right, 90s kids. This one's for you. Here we go. I'd like to play a game with you, if Would I may. You? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I have cre- I created a game. It's called New Cartoon Character Roulette. Would you guys like to play? Absolutely. Sure. It's a Spanish bullfrog with a mohawk. With a mohawk. <laughs> okay, you're doing the pawn. <laughs> I don't know if you like what I got, but this is the rays right now. Oh, yes, all the grains land on all the grains land on it all the time. So I recommend my haircut for you. I think it looks good for you. Come on, let's hear it for Carlos, everybody. Right. Took the bullet on. Spanish is kind of easy. He's, he's got. You, you, you do well with that, Carlos. Okay. Go again. Uh, let's let's try again here. Drum roll. Let's, let's pick up any any ones you want. They're not actually set to be in order any, in any way. Make them totally random. The middle one there. The other one there. And then then let's tell the audience what you got. Ninety-nine year old uh, Brooklyn hamster. <laughs> my my first wife. <laughs> Woo! I I've been going on this wheel for so long that I can't even. How about that? Wow, I don't know what that sound was at the end, but it was a good time. It was a good time. It was me stopping being 99 years old. Oh, that was it? Yeah. That was it. 99 problems and 
Uh, one is that you're dead. All right. Uh, Carlos, the last one? Want to jump in the pool? Australian baby pig <laughs> with a big butt. An Australian baby pig with a big butt. Oi, oi, who knocked over my blooming onion? There it is. Wowzers. Okay. The big butts. Remember the big butts? Yeah, yeah. I agree. Right. The guy turns around, falls, breaks, the guy blames it on me. Big butts. Okay, as if this episode of Who's the Rasta podcast wasn't epically frenetic enough, let's throw Mad TV's Deborah Wilson into the mix. And the reason we're adding Deborah to this episode is because Carlos actually helped book her on the show. Often on the podcast, I explain how I got my interviews with these incredible guests. Well, he helped by proxy bring her to the program by recommending a different Mad TV alum, Jel Michelle Milian, who came to join us and chat about a project she was working on with Carlos, a half zombie, half mafia project, a horror film they were making called Witness Protection. Now, upon being booked on the show, Jill gave us the greatest gift a guest can present, asking if another wonderful performer could join her as well. And that performer was Deborah Wilson. Now, the lesson here is, like with Carlos, doing well with one guest often books another. There is a definite snowball trickle-down effect to this whole thing that I absolutely love. So let's, let's jump into this first interview with Deborah. This is 2018 at Molly Malone's in the heart of Los Angeles. And strap on your seatbelts, friends, because with Deborah, this is going to be a wild ride. You want Willie's to? Yeah. Love yeah. Veteran, do it. Eight-year original cast member of Mad TV, please get loud. Here is... Debra Wilson. Come on, everybody. So let's talk about The Nun. What was... You said you did the voices. I did the demon voices for The Nun, the movie. Can I, may I have a sample? And again, keep in mind, they sound mixed stuff. Um, but if you heard some original stuff, I've been doing demon voices for a while, and I did uh, some demon voices for the Fox show, The Exorcist. But and my I just came from... An, an actual voiceover session, and so my voice is really raw. That's why I sound this way. But if it sounds sexy, you can pay me later. <laughs> um, but if I'm doing demon voices, my, uh, I'll give you an example, okay? So, where do you want to go? Do you want to go to I see you staring at me. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> 
whenever you shut that kid up, shut it up already. This is our Halloween special. Uh, Can I correct you? It drives me crazy when people do this. I don't yeah. know. Maybe it's, it's my parents were English teacher. It's Halloween. It's all Hallows Eve. So what did I, what did, how did I say Halloween. it? Halloween. Oh, I see. I say Halloween. Do you really? What's well, a regional thing? Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. It's called Halloween. No. How Halloween? I just did. You did. You did the voices before, so like I just I don't want to cross you. Uh, Halloween. Halloween. Like ghosts. Look how she's just fondling. No, I know. She's going <laughs> to... Uh, she's just like pointed at it and it'll yeah. explode. <laughs> I'm a Halloween fanatic. I'm a Halloween fanatic. Uh, what, what, what? And, I'm a, and I'm a paranormal fanatic. That's too, what I wanted I've to done. get into. You yeah. believe in ghosts? Well, I've experienced it, yes. Tell me about your ghost experience. Um, I've done paranormal investigations professionally, and I've done them um, for television. Mm-hmm. And um, I've had a number of experiences in, in various parts of the country. Some in Texas... Um, some in the South, some here, a few here, but mostly, mostly in Texas. I sat and had a disembodied conversation in front of 20 people for 45 minutes. What does that mean? Um, there was an energy in this particular place. It was like 3 a.m., a little after 3 a.m. And, um, we had a, 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 a paranormal group come in. And all of these people in the paranormal group were just fans of being a part of the paranormal. They weren't professionals, but it was um, sort of like a, an event, a large event. And I was there as a part of this event. Um, and there were a couple of days of this event in Texas. So I was brought to Texas to be a part of this event and to host various experiences. And for those of you that are uh, familiar with the paranormal, um, there are a couple of investigators that are, were well-known and had television shows, and one of them was Chip Coffee. He did Psychic Kids. Is anyone familiar with Chip Coffee? It's a great name. Okay. <laughs> okay, but a few of you have heard of him. So. The porn star that works at an ice cream shop. <laughs> he was, oh, are you going to ice that cream? That was chocolate chip coffee. That's right. <laughs> My banana's going to split. So this. what he does... <laughs> Pouring your syrup all over everything. Oh, your sticky icky. <laughs> so, Chip Coffee is, is not only a paranormal investigator, he is a, a psychic. And he's clairvoyant and he's clairaudio. And so, he had a gallery reading, which means people sit and one on those days, he would talk to people and say, You're, I feel an energy coming through. And he would get readings from people who have passed. And uh, everyone that came... Some of them were skeptics, and I watched skeptics break down and cry. So Chip Coffee's the real deal, and he would say intimate things. I mean, really intimate things. So on the, the, the second night, we did an investigation of a particular place that was supposed to be haunted in Texas, and we started out at 2 o'clock in the morning, and there were like 20, 30 people in the group, and I was a part of it. And um, we came to a particular area, and he was picking up information, and he was picking up visual cues and he could see things. And so uh, he kept telling everybody, okay, here's what's going on. Here's what I'm seeing. Here's who I'm seeing. Here's the number of people. You can't see them, but he can see. He's clear audio and clear. And he keeps seeing a black sharecropper. And I was the only black person in the group. And so I started using an era cue. An era cue is when you would use a particular type of speech or anything from that particular time period and he was giving the time period saying this is the the early 1800s it's the early to mid 1800s he's a sharecropper and he's a black sharecropper that's who I'm talking to and he gets a name and so 
little by little, he asks this sharecropper, oh, wait a minute, you want this person, you want them to go. Okay, you want them to leave. You want them to leave. And eventually it came down just to me and him. So I start talking to him, and I'm sitting down, and I took a mag light. Usually you squeeze, you, 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 uh, you turn them with a, you know, a, a large flashlight, those big mag lights. Yeah. The way you turn them on and off is not with a button. You, you twist them, twist them in the front. So I would twist it just very slightly so where it's kind of on but not off and kind of off but not on but right there in the center, and I would put it down on the table. So I started talking, and I started using a southern drawl, and I started singing um, old Negro spirituals to draw that energy in. And I would ask him after I would do that and make him comfortable is ask when, if he would light the light very bright for yes and cut it off when he was no. And because it was in that space, and it was battery operated, because it was in that space, he could cut it on and off at will. It was an intelligent presence, and he can cut it on and off at will. Not only could he cut it on and off at will, he would also cut it on bright for really powerful yes, and then I would ask him to dim it down, and he would. The rocking chair started rocking that was sitting next to me, and I asked if it was him. And he put the light bright. I began to tell him about the things that were happening in the 20th century, Barack Obama, John F. Kennedy, uh, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, uh, civil rights, all sorts of things for 45 minutes, and people would come by and watch, and people would come by and take pictures, and people would come by and use their equipment, and this went on for about 45 minutes. You were in the movie Gridlocked with Tupac. Yeah, and I I loved the movie Gridlock because I thought that it showed there were Tupac fans in the house. I mean, we were in Los Angeles. I mean, faux show. I'm a huge fan from growing up. I loved that movie. I loved Tim Roth, mm-hmm. a wonderful actor. And it was just it was so interesting seeing Tupac in a role that was not typecast at all. First of all, he was. I was hired basically to do one scene, and so it was an entire day there. Throughout throughout the time period, and working on this one scene. It was a, a very simple scene, but it was it was an all day process. Are you in the Filming ho- can can be an all day process. In the hospital, correct? Are you in the hospital? No, or he the, comes to a, a clinic. They okay. come to a clinic. Right, a clinic. They stabbed each other. They you know to be able to get help because because um, they tried before and they they won't. Check and wouldn't, in. yeah, they so couldn't they get stab clean. each other. Right. So yeah. they stab each other and they punch each other and they 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 wound each other in order to, too much. to get an emergency room and get help. And so. Uh, in, in this one scene, you figured, okay, well, and it's a really simple scene, and we basically reject them and send them away, a co-worker. And when that wasn't happening, he was accessible to everybody. And he spit a lot of knowledge, and he spit a lot of game. And he was someone who was very clear about the path he was taking. There were no mistakes in this man's life. He, he lived the way he wanted to live, and everything that he did, he... He lived with the consequence and the repercussions of something and then moved through it again. And speaking to this man who was really intelligent, really bright, really aware, really friendly, really accessible, made me have a different image of him uh, than what everyone knew as the rapper. Very smart, very smart, very kind, very thoughtful, very friendly, but never surfaced. He never really had anything surfaced to say. It was always something deep. This brother always went deep when he had something to say. Um, and he was very clear about what he wanted to do with his craft of acting and what he wanted to do socially and politically. Everything was tied to something socially and politically, everything. So it was an amazing experience working on the film, but it was a more amazing experience listening to him spit knowledge. 
That was incredible. Deborah is a force of nature. I mean, any talk show, not just some guy at a bar, uh, you know, in Los Angeles, but whether you were the biggest show on NBC, The Tonight Show, they would be lucky to have a guest with that kind of talent and energy on their program. So it was, I had to ask Deborah uh, if she could return to Who's the Raws. And I was honored when she said yes. She was glad to come back, but she had a caveat. She would return to the program in one year, but she wanted to have a chat with me on how she thought the show could improve. Deborah called me a few weeks later and she gave me her expertise over the course of an hour long phone call and gave me her insight on how she thought myself as the host and who's the Ross could reach higher heights. And she said to me after 45 minutes of, of giving notes, she said, she said, honey, I wouldn't even be talking to you right now unless I thought you had it. Her critique was an honor. And after implementing her notes into the show, she graciously agreed to come back on at our new weekly home, El Cid on Sunset Boulevard. Now the interview I'm about to share with you may require a second seatbelt as Deborah was now completely comfortable with the show so she put her foot down on the gas and took us to wherever she wanted to go. So, let's go. Here is our good friend, Deborah Wilson. Come on! Star Wars. Yes. So that was that was the one that where I said. Star Wars, episode four, the original film that came out, New Hope, that was the one I said, I really want to be in this business. I really want to be in this business. How many times did you see Star Wars in theaters? 47 times. Whoa. 47 wow. times you saw this. Within, within a three-month period. Oh. Goodness gracious. There's barely that many days in three when months by my When it came out, it became a phenomenon in 1977. Um, I saw it, and um, it was it was mind blowing for me. Uh, and it wasn't so much about the special effects or anything like that. More than anything else, it was the story. Now we all see these stories of good versus evil. You know, boy loses girl, boy gets girl, boy you know loses girl, boy gets girl back. Um, we've seen all of these these Hollywood stories being told, but what they're really doing is they're emulating aspects of life. And there was something about this aspect of life that was a little bit different than all the films that I had grown up seeing and all the films that I loved that were black and white. Um, it was the same story, but something about the way it was told, um, which was like a serial, um, very much like the old serials, uh, which is where George Lucas got inspired. It just, it just blew me away, and something inside of me said, this is, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to be in this business. I'm supposed to be doing this. Yes. You're a Jedi Knight in Fallen Order. The first black female Jedi Knight. The first Ooh. black female Jedi Knight. Star we, Wars Jedi Fallen Order. We are that one. We should have started with that. That is a one hell of a drop. But you you left the Jedi Knighthood. Is that correct within the game? Am I correct about that? I got um, some only intel. Initially. I stole only initially. Some, I stole some intel. Many had to die for it. But only initially you left being a Jedi. Well, in the story, you're following the mid, mid area of her life. And, 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 as me now, and, but Marvel has decided to do a five-issue comic book on 
on the character Seer Junda. I saw the cover. We're gonna we're yeah. gonna put that on there. That is incredible. Say her name again. Seer Junda. Seer Junda, ladies and gentlemen. You got your own comic book. Yeah. Damn. Um, I hear in the game, and I don't want to. Can I whisper something to you? Because I don't. You don't have to. Whisper. And most people, and the game is out, so you're fine. The game yeah, but I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to okay. spoil it. Can it. Is it okay? Do you uh, battle Darth Vader? No, 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 he's brilliant. He's Cameron Monaghan. You know who Cameron Monaghan is? Yes, he plays You took the force the out of my microphone. You just turned my I mic. had to. Because we have to go right here. Well, because we need so, to yeah. share. Okay. Yeah, okay. But um, what it, he, he's the lead, so he's the one who does the big battle. He's at the boss fight. You know what I'm saying? So but you, but do, do you, do you, does your, does your lightsaber entangle with Darth yes. Vader's lightsaber? Yes. 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 In, in Batman or in any Warner Brothers thing, who do you think I might play? Um, Batman. No. Uh-uh. Joker. I'll give you I'll give you another hint. Bane. I'll give you another hint. Mr. Wayne. Good one. Thanks a lot. That's give all I had. If I were if I were uh, if I were dealing with all of those nutcases, the ones who think that they're metahumans. Yo, we got a lot of frat boys in the house tonight. They probably don't know oh, that. Oh, dude, that really? Deep. Yeah. Oh, but not, nice man. I'll blow good. the first guy who gets it. <laughs> good night, everybody. Lucius Fox. Lucius Fox. Uh, 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 not that giving... guy had his dick out. Oh, woman. <laughs> no, think black woman. Catwoman. Uh, uh, again, I'll say it again. She deals with all these metahumans. Say it again. Come pull your dick out. <laughs> that's next week. Amanda Waller. That's next week. Amanda, Amanda Waller. Waller. That's next week. That's okay. next week. That's next week. Um, you can't hey, tell him to wait hey, till next I week. I know you have. I know you have. Yeah, you can. Oh, yeah, you can. Whoo, what a ride. But we're not done. Finally, just as Carlos had done a year earlier, we had to let Deborah try her hand at new cartoon character roulette. So are you ready for an encore? Do you want more? I know you do. So here is... More epic talent with Deborah Wilson playing new cartoon character Roulette. Put your hands together. It's new cartoon character Roulette with Deborah Wilson. Drum roll, Scotty. All right, let's grab uh, an animal. Uh, random animal. An animal. Tiger. A tiger. And then pick, pick, pick right here. Pick right here. Here we go. We got an accent. Queen. Oh, that's too easy. That's I'm from Queen. Queen. That's too. That's good. Softball first. Librarian. Tiger Librarian from Queens. Let's hear it. Librarian from Queens. Wow! Fuck! Shut up. Wow! Or I'll send you back to Brooklyn. Wow! Problem for you. Wait, can we do one more? That's not me on a fucking cereal box. They're not great. <laughs> oh, sweet baby Jesus. Okay. Uh, let's baby Jesus.
Can we do another one? Sure. Yes, do another one. Come yeah. on, here we go. New chart. Oh, but take out the ones that I already did. Find oh, the ones right that I already did. They're right here. Yeah. Okay. We'll have you sign them later. 18th century prince. Ooh, an 18th century prince. What kind of animal? Oh, it's, robot. A, it's a robot. Cockney. A cockney robot who's an 18th century prince. Cockney robot who's an 18th century prince. Oh, I dare say to you, what are you doing? Fine, sir, please step ahead. Fare thee well, gentle maiden. Fucking suck my balls. <laughs> I know the Amstead Eef up there, over there. Please, forsooth, forgive thee. Please, please, please. Oh, she starts circling. Please, please. You, everybody, please, please give it please, up. Deborah, Wilson, please, 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 boys, let's play her out of here. As I listen to these interviews and these comedic greats play these games, I just think like, how lucky, how lucky are we? How lucky am I? I'm a fan. And that's why I bring these people on. At the end of the day, I'm a fan. I just want to sit there amidst their talent times infinity. And that's what we got today. My huge thanks to Carlos Alizraki and Deborah Wilson for putting their spirit and skills on full display. Well, that's it for today's episode, but I can't wait for you to join me next time where my guests are two writers who created some of the most classic Simpsons episodes of all time. 90s kids, you're going to love this one too. Brent Forrester and season seven and eight showrunner Bill Oakley join the show. This is golden era Simpsons stuff we're talking about. So let me just say, woohoo! All right, stay awesome, my friends. And we'll see you next time on Who's the Ross, the podcast.